Hi, you are listening to Mobile Couch, and this is episode number 95. And uh, we have a bit of an announcement. We do? We do. Oh. We, you know that we have an announcement. Don't, I know. don't play coy. <laughs> In February, Mobile Couch will have been running for four years. Did you know this? I actually didn't know that. That's four years. Crazy. So many years. And uh, it's a long time to do a podcast. We're also nearly at 100 episodes. I say nearly. We're not going to make it there. What <laughs> <laughs> a way to announce it. Mobile Couch is coming to an end. At the end of this year. At the end of the year. Ben and I have been enjoying doing the show for a long time. Longer for me yes. <laughs> than it is for Ben. Not by much. I not think I'm much. there on like episode what? Seven? You, you started on episode seven. Yeah. And you know, Jake was with us for a long time as well. And mm-hmm. um, the show has been a really important part of, uh, you know, people's lives and our, our lives especially. Like we've, we've enjoyed doing it. We love doing it. But it's time for new things. Sometimes it's time for new things. And... I did an episode of Topical towards the end of that yep. show where we talked about, you know, how things, sometimes things things have to end. And I think that's the case with Mobile Couch. I agree. It's sad, but it life goes on. Hmm. I'll always leave the square in Pocket Casts. <laughs> It'll always be <laughs> It'll there. It'll always be there. Yeah. yeah. With no new episodes. You, you, but... and, you and I are looking at a, yeah. an upturned couch. Yeah. Yeah. So we wanted to announce it early with this show and, uh, you know, we're, we're going, there's going to be a few more episodes before we're done. Um, the final episode will air on the 12th of December and uh, we have some kind of special stuff planned for leading, the lead up to that. A couple of topics that Ben and I have wanted to do for a long time um, that we've just never kind of gotten to. And, you know, a final episode with a um, very special guest. It's been a great run, and we're not going to make it to 100. It's going to end on, like, episode 98, uh, yeah. which is kind of mean, but... Um, Better than 99. That was my theory. <laughs> yeah. Can't yeah. end on 99. Uh, 98's okay. <laughs> 100, 100 would have been a nice round number. I guess. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Maybe one day. One day. Keep that square around. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, mo- the Mobile Couch reunion tour. Yeah. So... With that bombshell, let's move into a, an actual topic. Yeah, all right, Jelly. Uh, my topic today is Git, which I swear we've covered before, but apparently we haven't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. We definitely rem- would have mentioned it. I don't before. remember covering it as a thing, but I remember mentioning it. We've definitely talked about it. We might have had a few like, "Here's how you do a specific thing in Git." And I, yeah. I think, I think, for instance, there was a quick conversation about how to make merging project files. I think maybe. Yeah, we definitely Xcode mentioned that once. But so. I, th- I think you know, I think that's probably probably the extent of our like touching on Git. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, I guess for anyone who doesn't know what Git is. We should cover that first, but I think most people will know. But just in case, uh, Git is a version control system. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's the most popular these days, at least in our community. I'm yeah. sure like there's some enterprisey one that technically has more users, but... I know we... Subversion. Subversion used to have, like, used to be the one yeah. that everybody used. And then there's Mercurial. Yeah. Mercurial's another Mercurial's one that's Mercurial's a pretty big Quite one. popular. I don't know how popular it is in enterprise or whatever. I think most well, most so enterprises these days use Git. Well, not really. So the big ones don't use Git, like Facebook. I think Twitter as well, maybe. I know for sure Facebook used Mercurial. Facebook used all sorts of weird things, though. There was a very good reason for why they had to switch. I might cover that at some point. I'll leave that one as a mystery for now. Okay. Uh, but anyway... Git is a version control system. If you don't know what a version control system is, it kind of allows you to track the history of how your files are changing. It'll, the best part is you can roll back. So instead of hitting undo 6,000 times because you've messed up and you might have messed up a week ago and not realized, you can just pretty much double click on something in the past and then magically you're back there. Yeah. Or if, I don't know, you wanna, you've got someone requesting an old version rather than keeping a zip file with every old version you ever released, you can just like jump back in your version control system we're talking about Git. So in Git, build that version and send it out, whoever needs it. Right. So yeah, highly recommended. If you're not using version control, you're mad, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the extent of it. So at least one workplace that I've had the pleasure mm-hmm. of working at until I introduced them to Git didn't use version control of any kind. Let me guess. They had multiple folders, yep. all with names along the line of 
this app final and then this app final final and then this app dash final dash this is really it this time <laughs> and then this app final final this is really it quick bug fix now we've got it <laughs> no uh, <laughs> close though <laughs> it was mostly used for like for wordpress plugins and so okay. um they had so they had kind of like every uh, installation and like yeah, they worked on a lot of WordPress stuff for clients and stuff. And every installation lived on one like big kind of testing server. And the plugins would live kind of in their individual things. And when you did, if you worked on like a, you know, let's work on a website for somebody, yeah, you might make a change to the plugin. And then you just kind of got to remember that that's where the last one <laughs> oh, no. was. Uh, and occasionally they would like th- those changes would make it back to like a, a kind of a folder of here's the latest version of um, of these plugins, but not all the time. So you just kind of have to rely on like the knowledge of okay, this is the last version that was yeah. up to date. Yeah, I intru- I introduced them to Git pretty quickly after that, and and I bet at first uh, they were like, we don't need this. So yeah, complex. oh yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, they didn't they didn't think they needed it, but I think I changed their lives for the better. In, in that one. No, so everyone at first thinks it's just like overkill. Yeah. Especially, I guess, people working on their own stuff at home because they've got the whole thing in their head. So, yeah. But I think it just takes like one moment where you've really messed up something and it's as easy as a double click to go back or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, and when you're working at home on your own stuff, you've got to remember that you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. And it's not because there are aliens, Scully. It's because you are a different person to future you and past you. So effectively, you're working on a te- on a project with a team of three. Yeah. Even though it's uh, even though it's only the one actual you know human being. When you're working on a project, you tend to forget things. Just it happens. Of course. <laughs> and so the best thing that you can do is plan for that. So that's like leaving notes for yourself and all that sort of stuff. And one of those things is using version control because that makes it easier for like future you to go look back and go, oh, that past jelly man, he's yeah. terrible. He shouldn't do this. I should allow him to code. So that, <laughs> that reminds me, Git, this might sell some people on a team. Git has a feature called Git Blame where mm. you can look up exactly who changed that line. So after you've found the horrible bug, yep. you bring it up ready to blame so-and-so in your team and it mentions your name. Yep. And you quickly close it again. <laughs> <laughs> but it's there, you know. Yeah. Just so you know who to blame. Yeah. But anyway, now that we've sold you, I hope we sold you on version control. Let's get into how you actually, I guess, use it. So I put everything in version control. Like pretty much everything I ever work on is in version control. Even like documents sometimes. I'll version control those. Because it's so easy to start a Git repo, even if you never push it up to like some sort of cloud thingy. Even just on your computer, it's so easy. Yeah, I, I've I, the only thing that I kind of have stopped version controlling, which is mm-hmm. really weird, was um, things like my sketch documents. You know, the yeah. illustration, you know, app, the UI design app, a sketch. Recently, I stopped using that because after merging code, not that terrible. Yeah. Merging, okay. merging like you know, visual things. Pretty is, impossible. Yeah, it's not impossible. Even if it's like XML, like you, you, there's no guarantee that you're going to be. Well, I mean, the the document is XML based. Um, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to do it right. So I've kind of stopped doing those. And those I can in understand like Dropbox that. or whatever. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I've said it's easy. How do you actually do it? Mm. It's as simple as going into your folder that you want to stick in version control and typing in your terminal git init i n i t. Yep. That's it. Like your thingy is now version controlled. It's not tracking anything yet, mm. but it's ready to go. Mm-hmm. So the next step is, kind of, I guess, understanding what Git's actually doing. So there's kind of like three buckets that your files can be in. You've got your working directory, which is just your folder on your computer. Yep. That's filled with everything that goes with the project. The next one is what's called the index, but you can sometimes it's also called the stage, the staging area. Yep. That's where you put files that you want to track just before you commit them. That's git add. So in your terminal, you go git add my file. It then goes in the next bucket, which is the stage. And then when you're you're happy with everything in your stage, you put it in the next one, which is you commit it. And that goes to the head. Head branch, yes. Yeah, head. So head is where you currently are at, the latest commit, as it's called. Yep. So you start in your working directory, git add, 
puts them in the stage, the staging area. That's like the the temporary, I'm ready to make these commits, but you might muck around and clean it up a bit first. And when you're happy with that, you go git commit and it goes into head as mm. a new line. It's like, I did this. Yeah. With a message. With a message and the diff. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's it. So you've just made your first commit. What that means is you've done a chunk of work and you want to try and keep those chunks of work really small or as contained as possible. So you should be able to describe everything you did in one line, basically. With like less than 50 characters, if possible. Yeah, definitely. You don't want them to be too short. So bug fix, not a good commit message. No, but like you don't... Part of the reason why you do it less than 50 characters because there's a lot of online Git repositories only show like a certain amount of the text before it gets truncated. Mm -hmm. And in order to make sure that it's still under like that people can read it like and just kind of flick through a list of you know commits and see where that change happened if you keep your thing around 50 characters you can probably go a little over and it wouldn't matter too much but you know the the less characters that you use the easier it is to kind of scan that list yeah as long as those characters are descriptive and a cool trick you can do is with your commit message you do like the summarized added i don't know added password checking requirements if you're making a login screen. Yep. Underneath that, so if you go new line, new line, you can type as much text there as you want. Yep. And then most Git web view thingies like GitHub or Bitbucket will just show the first line in the list of commits. But then when you actually click on a commit, it will show the full message. So you get the like nice summary text and then a, a pile of detail if you did something that was hard to describe in 50 characters. Yeah. Or you might say, like if you're in your own branch, this is work in progress. They're currently still... Current stuff still doesn't work, blah, 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 blah. That's like got known bugs. Whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, I, I use that I use that kind of um, extra paragraph, I guess, to sometimes give a little bit more detail or maybe touch on something that was like secondary mm. um, to, to that fix. Yeah. Like, you know, um, the, the, the fix might be, you know, I, I solved a particular bug, but then solving that particular bug actually fixed another bug or something along those lines. And so I've, you know, I've made that note there as well. Yeah, that's cool. You know, it makes it a lot easier, especially since a lot of the online trackers use, they have like an issue tracker attached to them and you can usually like mention in your commit messages, you can mention yep. like the, the code for that and it well, you will can get also linked go, up. A lot of them allow you to go fixes number one, two, three. Yep. And that will mark in issue one, two, three that there's a it's commit been, you know, fixed. tagged with the fix. Yep. Go look. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you've made all your commits, so you've kind of done a bit of work, you can do what's called git push. Git push pushes it up to the the server. Probably GitHub or Bitbucket. Maybe GitLab if you're real different. Or yeah, like I'm, internal. I, GitLab. I feel like it has like it has its it has its peeps. You know, mm. like it's it, oh it definitely. Seems like so it's it re- definitely popular with. I some wouldn't people. say it removes the third party dependency, but it's like self hosted Git hosting. So I can see why a lot of people would want that, especially like big teams. Yeah, and like enterprise level places. Yeah. So anyway, you've pushed up your code. And now it's sitting on the cloud, ready for anyone else who wants to look at it. Yep. The trick with pushing, though, is you have to make sure you have the latest copy of what's in the cloud already. Mm. So if someone else has come along and worked on it in the meantime, you have to pull in their changes first. Here's the trick, though. What if there was like 100 people all working simultaneously on the same thing? Not that that would probably happen, but just go with me here. Like on the same file? Maybe not the same file, but just say like you've got lots of people committing, right? Yep. And every time you go to push, it goes, nah, you don't have the latest, please pull first. Yep. So you go get pull and then you try again. It goes, nah, you don't have the latest, please pull. So you pull again. Oh, right. So it's always getting updated. There's like heaps of people updating before you can pull. Yeah, okay. That's why Facebook ditched Git. Uh, (laughs) Ah. Yeah, well, I mean, they do have like, you know, heaps of people working on effectively the same project. Yeah, so... They ditched it because of that constant problem of, even though they're all on separate branches and stuff, which we haven't covered yet, like if they've got same people working on the branch, whatever, it was just, they decided they were losing so much time to developers going, get pull, get push, get pull, get push. They moved that step onto their server. And so it kind of goes in a queue to be merged in. And that's why they switched to Mercurial. And that's about all I know about it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I I know that, for instance, Facebook works in, like, in specific teams but i don't know how big those teams are yeah like there's a specific for instance team that works on like the news feed and one that works on notifications and yep. stuff like that like they have different like teams for different areas Definitely. um and obviously there's also like the underlying teams that are doing all these kind of interesting and cool things with react and stuff 
obviously they have smaller teams, but I don't know how big those are. And obviously, you know, they're still running. They'd be running into those problems all the time. I that, mean, that's why they also ditched the project file because they had so many teams adding and removing from it that it would just conflict every single time. Yeah, well, they don't. They don't even use Xcode anymore. They use um. <laughs> well, some of them do. They Adam. don't. They don't put. You know, you can use whatever IDE you want, man. Yeah, but they're open. They're all about. They're all about Atom. They, re- you know, yeah. they, they released a. They released a thing for Atom, or they. I don't know if they've released it. I know they definitely announced it and talked about it. Yeah, there's some cool talks from the like. I don't know what the team is actually called, but it's the team that manages developer workflow, I guess, in Facebook. Yeah, and they talk about all these problems and how they solved them. And I think we've mentioned it before. Yeah, we, we should look it up and put the the link into the show notes. Okay. You can see how this is quickly going to get out of hand if you're all pushing to the same place, right? You, which is called yep. master. So I guess the the main branch of Git is called master. And if everyone's always pushing into master, you're going to disagree on what should be the current version and all of that. Yeah, well, I mean, and then you've got the then you've got the problem of like what happens when you're like trying to pull like somebody in your team. Their whole job is to like manage releases, and yep. they try to pull from master, but master is broke as heck. Yeah. So like, then what? Okay, so we've only touched on the basics. So now, I don't even know if I would call it the intermediate, but it's, I guess, the next step beyond the basics, which is what's called branching. Yep. So you can kind of set up your own area to work in. And when you're done, you can say, hey, everyone on the team, check out my area. I've made these changes. Do you reckon I should put them back in? So it's kind of like your own little workspace, right? Yep. That's called branching. So branching is just like your own version of the project you don't really have to worry about what other people are doing for a little while you just work kind of in isolation in your branch and when it's done i guess you deal with the consequences of hopefully the project hasn't moved on too much in that time and you've divided it up nicely so you're all not editing the same file right so to do that you go git checkout dash b and then the branch name dash b is for like new branch and all that does it pretty much doesn't do anything to be honest it just gets you ready on your own branch so that when you add commits, rather than adding them to master, it adds them to your branch for now. So when you push, it doesn't go into master, it goes into the new jelly branch. Yep. Okay? Yep. And then at the end, you have to merge it back in. And now you're going to say, what's merging? What's merging? (laughs) (laughs) So merging is just take my commits from my branch and put them into the branch I'm going to master again. Yep. And if you buy yourself... Most of the time, that works real smooth. Because, most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> because you're probably only working on one thing at a time, right? So you, nothing's changed in master. So you branch out, do your work, branch back in. It's all as if you never left master. Yeah, and th- this is, and so this is why part of the reason that I've like stopped putting my documents, like my image documents, not images, like source mm-hmm. images, assets or whatever but the source files like a psd or a sketch file or whatever um because those can be really a pain in the neck to merge back in because if they've had changes um the example being that uh recently doing gif wrapped update for uh, ios 10 with the messages app i did the messages app on a separate branch yeah mostly so that if it came down to it i could release uh, other versions of um of gif wrapped that were like, you know, point releases as opposed to like this big release that I'm yeah. still working on. But as part of those changes, I made changes to my illustration, my uh, source file for my app, my app icons because I needed to make a new app icon for the messages app because yeah. they're in a different shape. And I think I had made some like minor changes to an icon that happens elsewhere within like the main uh, part of the app. And so now I have two distinct versions of a file that have two different like bits changed to them. And it's really di- like with code, no, that wouldn't be a problem. Like you just merge it in, they'd be fine. But with an image kind of source thing, it was a giant, you know, hunk of work to do that. And yeah, but very difficult to, to do. So I ended up pulling out my documents completely. So the way I've done that kind of document before hmm. is had a separate repo. So you have a repo for yep. like PSD files. Yep. And then in the project repo is where the, the PNGs go at the end, the PNGs, right? So yep. you export and the actual export gets tracked in the project repo, but your source file is in a separate one. Yeah. So you can kind of work independently there. So it kind of like that kind of works nicely, but you know, a new repo, I, I, all I've done is just basically pulled them out and left them in like Dropbox or whatever. Cause I mean, it's not like I don't have something for keeping those project files up to date. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm. So it can be nice to um name your branches 
usefully as well. The same as commit messages. Yep. Your branches are all actually shown in a list on GitHub. Mm-hmm. And if they describe what each one is working on, it can be a really quick way to see what's currently happening in a project. Or to like flip to one if you need yeah, to like right? make, make like, ad- you know, adjustments to it. I know that Jelly is working on this particular feature. It would be nice to see where that feature is up to. Yep. So if it's named well, I can see, oh, there it is. I'll just go and have a look. Whereas if you've called it Jelly Wednesday, <laughs> that's, that's going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is like, this is kind of moving into a direction of something called Git Flow. Yes. Yeah. I Which don't want to like your thunder. That's but, like a paradigm, right? Yeah, like it's a whole thing. Well, it's a strategy for Git management. Yeah. and There the whole, are many. The whole idea is, I think, if I'm getting this right, is that you create a branch for each new like little thing, like new little feature that you're working on. So in the case of like the Messages app, I create you know a branch for specifically the Messages app, but that might be different to something else that's going into a different branch to something else that's going into the same release. And so I might flip between those branches kind of, you know, to work on various different parts of an app. But then those get merged back in when you're kind of done with them. So you're kind of creating and, you know, merging and destroying branches to... That's right. As you're working on new files. So this was was right at the end. Oh, right. But I'll go into it now. branching. Exactly. But I didn't want to, like, overwhelm. But I'll go into it now. So you can have... In your team, basically, you've got to come up with a branching strategy. Yep. Uh, And this is to... I guess so everyone is working to the same strategy keeps things consistent you don't have one person doing like all their work for a week in a branch and then merging it at the end of the week yeah which it wouldn't be so bad as long as everyone is doing something similar and then you've got another person who makes six branches that week because they are working on six different features yeah so you just got to decide in your team what works best for you and most people do end up at something like what you've described git flow yep so the way that works is you have a master branch and master is like super defended so anything that makes it into master, every commit is basically a public release. So anytime a commit goes into master, it's probably because you've pushed a new version to the app store or whatever. Yep. And then beside master, you have another branch called develop. And these are your two like permanently living branches. So develop is kind of where work gets merged into while you're working on the next release. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So master is pretty much one commit for every release you might not do one commit but it might be one merge per release depending on how you want to manage that develop will have lots of commits and then it will get to a point and we're like woohoo we're done let's now put this in master yeah and then from develop you make branches for every feature bug fix or task basically so you've got features are really obvious what a feature is like your iMessage app so you normally also name your branches Jelly slash feature slash iMessage app. That would be what I would name that branch. Right. You can come up with whatever scheme you want to use in your team, but that's a pretty common one. I mean, I just use, I think I just use like Messages app or something because I don't have a team. Exactly. (laughs) And that's like totally fine. Yep. Cool. So there's also bug fix. So it might be a bug fix that never went out to the public. So that would come off develop. And so you would, that would be like Ben slash bug fix fix slash I messed everything up in the last commit and I'm going to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I'm happy with that, I merge it back into develop. Yep. But there's also ones, right, that have gone out to the public. They're like real critical. Yep. You've, you're blowing up phones, you're Samsung. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> right? Yep. That can't wait for the next release. Say you've got a release planned in a few weeks. Yep. You don't want to put it in develop because develop's got a whole pile of other stuff that's not ready to go out yet, right? So you can't just put it on the top of develop. That's when you make what's called a hotfix branch, and that's in between master and develop. So you branch off master into Ben slash hotfix slash phones aren't so hot anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And then you fix it. And then the trick is you have to merge it into both master and develop because you also want it in your future release, obviously. Yeah. So it's gone back into master, which has probably triggered some sort of release process. And it's also gone onto the top of develop so that anyone who continues to work on develop also gets that bug fix. Right. Yes, of course. Yep. And that's the like big, that's Git flow basically in a very quick summary. Which, I mean, that, that's a that's a fairly good kind of uh, example of how to do branching, right? Exactly. Like it's, so we, we use why, that. That's yeah. how we do it at work. Yeah, fair enough. The cool thing about it is you can set up like your continuous integration strategies based on the branch that things are going into. 
So every time you push a build is made, it doesn't matter what branch you're on, that one's only available to internal team members. Any push onto develop goes out to probably like clients, but like the the closer side of their team. So normally, you know, you've got big clients. They're a, they're a big organization. Or right? maybe like beta testers or something or alpha testers. Yes. Yeah, that, that too. Yep. So you want to send it to the team members at giant corporation that are kind of internal to your team. You know, you don't want buggy things going out to the CEO of Samsung. <laughs> I'm just sticking with this. <laughs> right? You want to send it just to the internal team first so they can check it out. And then they're like, all right, this looks good. Now let's spread it out further. And then pushes to master automatically go out to everyone and possibly even the public if you've... I know a lot of web developers do that strategy. Like it's pretty easy to push to your website, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you can set up... So uh, I don't really only have this set up in one place. Yeah. You can set up on on your server in such a way that you can push to it. So it's effectively like creating like an origin. Yeah, a new source. A new source. So you push to that source and then... I think the way that I've got it set up is that that source then like automatically checks out into a new kind of area, like and that's the that's the part that actually gets up. So you're not like I don't know changing files on the on like you know halfway through you know doing yeah. stuff. So you're you're the publicly visible like server side stuff is always like at a particular point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I forget I forget where I read how to like set up, how to set up this, but I'll see if I can. Maybe and I can see if you I can, can do it. this with. Um, mobile development too so you yep. could do a fast lane thing just in master that yep. actually released to the app store yep. a lot of people do that google do the same thing google's play store has an api that you can use to do all this sort of stuff an official one unlike apple so you don't even <laughs> you know you could actually write a script that just hit google hit, services hit google. yourself you yep. don't even need a third party tool well i mean technically you don't need a third party tool to do it with apples but true uh you, it's you unsupported know, it's unsupported yeah, so that's what that's what we do. It's really cool. It saves a lot of time because you're not constantly uploading builds to hockey or whatever. Anytime the client goes, hey, can I see a new build? I'm still at a point where, I mean, f- personally, and I mean, it's, it, it, it obviously differs between different kind of situations. My situation is as such that I don't necessarily want to be pushing out builds automatically all the time. Um, I try to, as, uh, you know, I try to keep my betas down to, you know, one a day. Like no more than that. Yeah. And even then, like I'll kind of hold things back until I'm I'm like, okay, this is you know, this is worth kind of sending out to my testers. That's cool. Um that's kind of how nightly builds work. So a lot of people set up their um, I guess upload of build yeah. to just take whatever's on develop at the end of the day and mm. push that. So they only push once a day. It's the same sort of thing, but they just take the whatever's on develop at the end of the day goes out as the nightly build. Yeah. So you can do that too. You could have a branch in between master and develop for beta. That would work too. So you would only push into beta, which would be one closer to public release, right? Yeah, okay. I see how this works. Yeah. And that's all automated. It's cool. Yeah. Instead of sitting here waiting for an upload, you just go off, do whatever else. I mean, I do Let the robots take over. I I do that anyway. (laughs) I like hit, I hit upload to App Store and then walk away. Cool. Side note, and this is probably not going to go in the episode. I've stopped using Fastlane. Whoa. Too yeah. complex? Broke down too many times? Yeah. I, I found, personally, I found that like it wasn't saving me time. Not because it was, uh, you know, because, I mean, partially because I'm not doing anything that like complex, but also partially because it broke down so often that I'd spend like 20 minutes doing, yeah, like, right. fixing it almost every time that I pushed to the app, like pushed yeah. to, to test flight, uh, which was like, I mean, it's pointless. Yeah. And then the most recent thing was with the changes to the signing uh, and some other changes, um, I couldn't use... I was like match stopped working. Yeah, okay. And I updated and then I was like being forced to update like, you know, Ruby. And I was like, this, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to switch to the automatic signing. So I switched to the automatic signing. The new automatic signing automatically figured out that I, was, I already had certificates and stuff already set up. I actually like the automatic sign. The That's good. It works. it works. It works for me. I think it works really well for people in like single teams. Yeah. Like if you're just in your own development team. And I think it still works fine when there's multiple people in that team. It's all good. It's for people like me who are across 10 teams. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And the, the thing is, is like in the case of, for instance, GIF wrapped, I'm literally the only person that ever works on GIF wrapped yeah. for any particular reason. And so 
yeah, I just basically found myself always have running into it. Like every, almost every time that I would upload a test flight, there'd be problems, especially during like the 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 iPhone, the iOS 10 yeah. beta where Fastlane wasn't updating and like necessarily in time to match changes that were being made to like, you know, iOS um, SDKs or whatever. Yeah. And there's always like the problem of like, you know, the two different iOS uh, SDKs conflicting and all that sort of fun stuff. And yeah, I think that's all just yeah. comes down to that. It's like unofficial, you know? Yeah. I mean, it does. And it, it, it totally does. And I'm sure that in specific cases, like it would, it saves a lot of time for people. And I'm probably still going to use it for things like screenshots. I was going to say screenshots. Is screenshots. Like amazing. I, like I've, I've, you know, been automating those Even if for you don't years and upload it's way the, better. You know, I mean, it's so much, it's so nice that it uploads them as well, but it, even if you don't do that beta app upload, just the bit that uploads all your screenshots for every devices, yeah. every device, that saves so much time. But I've I've stopped using it for building and trying to like doing doing signing and stuff like that because it just yeah I yeah, just I found enough. that it was it was actually slowing me down and clicking upload to App Store I can just you know run through that little I mean it's a couple of extra clicks and then I go off and you know I don't know have ice cream yeah good Fair work enough. jelly <laughs> have some jelly with your ice cream. Anyway, another like common good practice, I guess, is tagging. Have you do you do tagging? Do you I know do. what tagging is? I do. I, I use tagging to tag my releases. Exactly. That's like by far the most common one. Yeah. So when you actually have gone and put it on the app store or whatever, you would tag the commit that that build was from as version one point point whatever. Oh. Yep. And that allows you to later on, so people go, I'm on version one point whatever, and this isn't working. You can actually go back to that exact version really easily. So you can just search a repo for the commit that was 1.1, whatever, build it. I don't know. It's just handy to be able to go back a version really quickly without needing to keep aside all of those like files, I guess. I I kind of, I attach all my like release notes to each thing because you can attach oh, yeah. like notes to a tag. Yep, yep, yep. yep. So I, ta- I stick That's my cool. release notes in there so that I've kind of got like a, That's here's really what I've cool. changed. Yeah, yeah. But I don't necessarily use it to roll back in ever because I mean, half the time the problem is, is that like a project from like, you know, a project from like when I started working on GIF wrapped, it's probably not going to build in Xcode 8. Yeah. And that's all right. I've got another use case. I'd have to, I'd have to like, you know, I'd have to make those change. So I, yeah, I mostly only use it for like, here's the state it was at. Here's the release notes for what changed. I can kind of go back and, you know, find stuff really, really easily if I need to, like, yep. make, make changes. Have you ever heard of Git Bisect? No. All right. This is a this, good one. This is new. This is a good one. So let's assume you're really good at making your commit messages yep. or your commits, sorry. They're nice and small, well-contained, right? Yeah. Yep. And you know in version 1.0 that everything was working. Yep. And in 1.1, you've got some new bug that's only, let's say it only came out when you released to the public. And you know it wasn't in 1.0 and it is in 1.1, mm-hmm. but you have no idea where in the like, because you're real good, 1,000 commits in between that, you know, those two versions, right. you introduced that bug. Yep. Git bisect does a binary search between two commits to try and find a bug. So if you go git bisect, I think it's start end, but it might be the other way around. You have to look it up between tags. It can be between any commit, but tags just gives you a good spot to, to start so with. To start and end, yep. It will start in the middle, like the commit smack bang in the middle of those two and you basically say yes or no like yes bug is there no bug is not there and then it goes you know either forward or back by half until you've nailed down the commit do you remember binary search from I do, I, computer I, science I, class well I, I didn't do computer science class but but yes i remember what a, i know what a binary search is so that's what it does binary yeah. searches your commits to try and nail down the commit that introduced the bug it's really fun. I, I I know how a binary search works, but I have no idea how that would actually be helpful. Because, like, what are you looking through? Like, the, the commit messages? So, you're, like, actually building the project and seeing if the bug exists. Oh. That, that's if you want. Like, you might actually be looking for a particular Is this, like, automated? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Well, you still have to build it, and you could automate it. Like, if you've got a unit test, it works perfect with unit or whatever test has found it right all oh, right so you, you like, can try and find where that test started failing oh, okay you now, now i understand so so like you could so if you've got like you know tag for version one and tag for version 1.1 1. 1. uh you check out like the tag that's halfway between the like commit. The, the commit that's halfway between those yeah. two tags there you go and then you go is it there if it is there 
you'll like go halfway between that the start commit and the and, and the version one point and yeah. commit the one that's halfway between that and like check, check if it's that, there. Check if it's there, and if it's not there, you, you go from that commit to the commit, like to the halfway commit, original halfway. Commit. No, no, no. You keep going back. No, but if it's not oh, sorry, there, not if there. it's not yeah, there. yeah. So no, if it's, it's not very there, hard to do this. You go. You've got to kind of do halfway between half the middle and the quarter. Yeah, okay. It's a binary search. Yeah, yeah looking yeah, for a particular. So, see, I'm thinking like I'm, I'm thinking like binary search of like you know the you. Because it's separate separate the two, and you look through the, the two things. I was no. I was I was confused. So yeah, you say yes or no. Yes, it's there. No, it's not. Okay. It's, until you're like down to one commit, where you're like, all right, the bug is in this commit somewhere, and hopefully your commits are really small and contained, and you'll just be like, there it is. Yeah. Okay. Or right. or your commits are really large, but at least it gives you a starting point rather than. Like well, sometimes it, hel- it helps you to narrow down where that commit started. Yeah, because sometimes you yeah, might okay. not even know what you're in a massive project. That maybe you're also in a team. You don't even know what file this bug is coming from. Yep. So that even that can help. It can nail down the file. I mean, just like I'm, that, that that like I can see uses for that outside of just bugs too. Uh, like you know, I I I I go sometimes looking for like a specific lines of code that I've written that I've like lost at some point. Yeah. And yep. then I need to find out. Like I need to go and find where those got lost so I can kind of I don't know revert that. I mean, there's other ways. Like if you know of a particular file. Well, you can search for that file, but yeah, like, you can you know, look up I, the history of a file, I, I, and which is what I do. But yeah, and you know, the, the, I can see, so you might I can definitely see uses, yeah. you know, for for this for this you know hammer when everything is a nail. I don't know, yeah. is it saying something along those lines? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So another cool thing about Git is it's quite safe. So a lot of Git can seem really intimidating because it is it's complex. And it's not easy to use. Like anyone who says it's easy to use, it is not. It's got a horrible interface. Like you're constantly Googling for what command you need to use. Yeah. Um, but the the good thing, I guess maybe the saving grace might not be enough to save it. It's really easy to to undo, I guess, when you mess up. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's that's really kind of, uh, that's really kind of useful. Um, being able to roll back, like roll back changes. Um, even being able to like reset to a particular kind of point in time. Yeah. Last last year, I I spent about eight months working on like a new version of Gifwrapped that I was kind mm-hmm. of like, oh yeah, this is this is the direction that I want to go, and I want to separate all these things into their own little frameworks, and it's going to be great. And about eight months after I started all that work, um, which is a really long time, I was so going to say, like, are you reset? Yeah, oh, I, well, that's a big uh, one. <laughs> well, I mean, that it's it's horrifying, but sometimes it's like sometimes you have to do it, and that yeah. and the fact is, like, I was able to kind of reset to a to point in time before, like, I'd made all those kind of you, you know big breaking changes that had kind yeah. of led me down the wrong path. Reset to a point, but keep those changes kind of off to a side yeah, in a know, thing in a branch, branch, branch. Sorry, (laughs) Uh, in a branch, and uh, and then kind of forge ahead with that. I could use that as like a reference for things if I needed to. Um, You know, I I still want to keep this and kind of cherry pick bits and pieces. You know, it. it, I mean, Git in that particular situation, Git was invaluable. Exactly. It's as soon as you hit one of those that you realize it's all worth it. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so you you've messed up, or maybe yeah, you're just experimenting and you've decided it's no good. Rather than pushing command Z 6,000 times, <laughs> you can just type in your terminal git reset dash dash hard. The dash dash hard means it's actually going to mess with your files. So you kind of yeah. got to be careful. Yeah. And then head, which is the last commit. Well, so you don't even need to use head. You can just use git reset hard. Yeah. And that will take it, it defaults the to head. It defaults right? to head. But you so, can use it to a specific commit. And yeah. You can, you can put to a commit. anything you want roughly in that head spot. Yeah. So you can also do head minus one. It's not actually minus one. I think it's some, I think it's carrot one or something or squiggly line one. This is yep. what I mean. Bloody Git interface is horrible. You're constantly Googling for things. Yep. But you can also reset to a particular commit. And a way to find the commit is git log. So if you type git log, it would just bring up your git history. See, that would have been useful like two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, so git log is your commit history. Yep. Sometimes you'll mess up other th- like maybe you've messed up your actual gitting. I don't know. You've typed in some commands that turned out to be wrong. Yep. Or you've branched when you shouldn't have branched, or you missed something like you meant to branch and it's ended up in the wrong spot. Or I don't know. You've you've messed up in that way. Yep. That's when you need git ref log. So git log shows actual commits. Git ref log kind of shows the history of everything you've done with git. 
So you might not have actually committed, but you might have done some other okay. good stuff. You might you have might rebased. Have like, yeah, okay. You might have merged. Yep. You're going like, oh man, I stuffed up that merge big time. Git ref log. We'll show you like step by step what you did. And then you can reset back to a particular step. Oh, right. Okay. Pretty cool. Yeah. I don't think it actually unadds files. That's the only thing. Well, so, so we'll, it will go does back. Unadds files. No, it will go back. Commits. Does no, it actually. Reset. Git reset. So oh, git reset. Yes. Yeah, without the hard. Git reset will like unadd, like it'll reset your like your selected changes that you're going to put into a yeah. commit. So git add is how you add like files to a commit and git reset is how you effectively remove them. Yeah. So if you git reset without the dash dash hard, let's say you went way back just yeah. for, to make this an obvious thing. Yeah. Without the dash dash hard, your git history would get reset, but your files wouldn't get changed. And then they would all show up as, say, modified. So all the changes that you've made are still there. They're just out of Git. Yep. The dash dash hard bit changes the files back as well. Yeah, which it rolls actually them back to the past. Deletes. It deletes your work. Yep. So if you haven't got that saved somewhere else, or maybe it's in another branch or whatever, you've got to be careful. Which is sometimes useful. Like, I'm, I'm constantly making, like, doing... Uh, I mean, I don't use git reset hard because I use a, a GUI, but, uh, you know, I, I use effectively the same tool to like go, oh, uh, actually, no, I don't want any of these. I'll just like reset my project to its, you know, to mm. the last commit so I can kind of continue. Yeah, I do that. That's like discard changes in Xcode. That's how it works. Just runs git yeah, reset. Yeah, yeah which is the same. Yeah. Um, I can do it. I, I my, my GUI works on file. can do it on file, like individual files as well. Yeah, as you like, can do it on like lines even. Yeah, yep. That's when the GUI gets better. We'll cover that in a at yep. the end. Yep. Okay. So we we kind of already talked about Git in a team with the branching strategies. As well as a branching strategy, you also need a merge strategy. So you've got to decide how you're going to merge changes into whatever you've decided, developer, master, or whatever. Yep. There's kind of three main ways to do it. There's the straight merge, which basically puts the impetus on the person who's doing the merging to work out any problems. Yep. Especially if it's a big feature change and you go git merge feature branch, a lot of those files are going to conflict and you're going to have to go through and probably make a commit that was like, I worked out all of these problems and merged them together. That's like a line in your git history, right? The merge. Yep. That's one strategy. The other one is rebasing. Rebasing is a controversial one because do you know what rebase is? Uh, kind of. Rebase rewrites history so it actually like Ooh. after you do it you'll have to force push which is generally a bad sign yeah so you never rebase master and develop because it's too dangerous yeah if you're on your own feature branch you can probably see if you've messed up the rebase though it, that's the hope it's not a guarantee so what it does let's say you're working on small features and i'm working on one big feature right right so we both we both started at the start of the week branched off develop at the same point You've, in the meantime, done six features and merged them back in, and it's taken me all week to do my one feature, right? Yeah. But we started at the same time. What Rebase does is it makes it so it looks like I started at the end of your sixth feature. So it moves my starting point uh, up right. to like the top. Yeah, okay. Rebases. It changes the base yeah, okay. of the commit. Yep. The problem is... It rewrites history. So if I mess that rebase up, I might accidentally just wipe your work. And there'll be no <laughs> Whoa, like, yeah, okay. there'll be no yeah. record that I did, that, that, did that because I force pushed at the end and Git was like, cool, you force push, you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why a lot of teams don't rebase or they only ever rebase small things. They would never rebase a large thing. Yeah, okay. Um, but the advantage of it is it doesn't pollute your Git history with merge this, merge that. Like every second line is, I merged this. They just come out nice and clean. So yeah. it's just like, I worked on this feature. And then the next one is, I worked on this feature. Yeah, okay. I see how, I, yeah. I'm glad I've never <laughs> needed to use, well, I mean, it's not that I've never needed to use that, but I've, I'm glad that I've never, I've never um, put myself through that horrifying nightmare. Yeah, it's not too bad. Every now and then one goes horribly wrong, but you normally catch it if you've got good tests and stuff. Yeah, so the la I think the last opportunity that I had to work to use that as a thing mm -hmm. was I was working I was recently working on a on a project uh, where I was using Windows. Yeah, right. Uh, and I'm really not comfortable with Windows. I, I I used to use Windows way back in the day, and now like I I just I'm so lost in it. It's 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 crazy. I was using a command line tool in that called I think Git Bash or something like that, mm -hmm. which is effectively like terminal for with Git but not much else. But on Windows. But on Windows. But I, I haven't really used... Like, I'm not really a 
Git terminal user either. Mm. And so I end up I ended up with a pro in this project I ended up with a commit that conflicted uh, on the orig like on the on yep. the source in the source the origin yeah uh, with uh, you know with another something that another developer Someone else worked, had done. On, worked on and one of the options there was to rebase so that I could like you know right. I guess reset my my project so that it looked like I had done my changes after he had done That's his exactly what it does. But you uh, you went for the merge I d- instead. Yeah, I think I think my I think my process felt. Kind of, I felt like I was more in control. <laughs> so, so when <laughs> you rebase, you still go through the same sort of thing. It'll go. Yeah. These files conflict. You must deal with it before I can continue. Yeah. It's just the difference is you don't end up with that with that conflict yeah, at the end. Yeah. It just looks like you wrote on top of it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, the changes that. So what I ended up doing was I, I reset my file to the like to what it was before I made it had gotten changes made to it. Committed that. Yeah. Added the changes to the file because it was only like a handful of lines. Added the changes that the other developer had made to my file. Committed that. Yeah. And then put my changes back into the file and committed that again, and then merged. And that worked fine because at the some point within that kind of merge, like the two files were the same, so it knew where to kind of. Yep. Okay. Deal so with those. that leads into the third strategy. Okay. Which is only you don't do this really for um everything it's more some people do it going into master but that's what's called squash squash merge ah yeah yeah where you squash and that makes it all look like they're one commit one commit but a lot of i guess pull request we haven't covered pull requests yet but a pull request is like when you're ready to merge rather than just going git merge you put it up somewhere to say hey everyone i'm ready to merge have a look at my work first a lot of like pull request etiquette would be those three commits you made to fix that merge you would squash them into one just because it keeps everything nice and clean. And then it looks like you made a good change. You can, like, it'll, the history will look the same, but it'll just look like you did it all on one commit. So you, like, yeah. put in his changes and deleted those lines. And so it will just be as if you edited that file. And that works too. Yeah. That's a pretty common one. So, you, like, you squash working commits down. So sometimes you'll, you make work in progress commits. So you're like, it's not done. It might not even build, but I'm at a point where I know. Going forward, I might break it even worse and I just want to commit so I can roll back to this point. It's more for you rather than the team, right? Yeah. So you would squash work and progress commits to the one that actually made it work. That's to keep things clean. Yep. I mean, you can also with that sort of, if you're doing, needing to like constantly adding new, like you're constantly committing. Yeah. But you're trying to basically squash them down into a single commit. You can actually use git commit. I think dash dash amend. Yeah, you can. And that will just change your last commit. Um, yeah, so if it you've basically already, adds it to the last if commit. If you've already pushed it though, yep. that's rewriting history again. So you're going to have to force push and then you're going to have to be careful. But squashing commits is rewriting history too. So it's the same thing. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. But it, rather than having to like commit, 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 all these commits and then squash them down into a single one. Yeah. You can like, as you're going, just amend your commit. You d- yeah. Yeah. I, I, I try not to like, you know, push to the source before I, um, you know, before I've, you know, finished off whatever I'm kind of yeah. trying to merge in. So anyway. we, that works like most of the day. The only time that really work in progress commits end up in the cloud is uh, the, like the end of the day. Yeah. Okay. So you might've been halfway through something. You want to commit it and put it on the server in case the office burns down or your laptop sets on fire. <laughs> um, because you were working on your note seven. Exactly. <laughs> and, but you know, it's definitely not ready for merging back in and you're going to just get back onto it tomorrow. Yeah. So then you might squash at the end before you pull request. Or yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. I see what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. So the next thing is you've done all your work on your branch and you want to signal to your team. I'm ready to put this into the, you know, develop. That's when you make what's called a pull request. So a pull request is instead of just going in and doing the merge yourself, it's literally just you're requesting basically the permission to do it. And you might not even have the permission. Like your team might be set up so that one person does all the merging. Like the boss person is the one who does merging into develop and everyone else just makes pull requests against it. And what that does is it brings up in GitHub or Bitbucket, basically all your changes like a diff of the changes and you can write out what you did. It's a good place to put an extra info that wasn't in the commit messages, like why you did what you did. Maybe you made some sort of decision architecturally or whatever. Like you can explain why you did that. Um, You can say this fixes so-and-so and and -and so-and-so, but does not fix whatever. Yep. And then the person comes along and reviews it and people comment and you might have to make changes. 
Um, but at the end of that, you do the merge. And so I bring up pull request just because I've been using, and I probably have already mentioned it because we use it a lot, but a cool new thing called Danger. Have I mentioned Danger yet? You've not mentioned Danger, but I've definitely heard of Danger. Okay, cool. So Danger allows you to automate certain repetitive parts of pull requests. Yep. So maybe you have code style requirements. I don't know, spaces instead of tabs or whatever side of the argument you fall down on. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of stuff you review in your pull requests. You can use Danger, which is an automated thing that just runs on your build server to do that, those kind of tasks. And then it will comment on the pull request saying, hey, you missed a new line here. Or hey, you used a semicolon in Swift, you mad person. <laughs> you <laughs> lunatic. <laughs> yep. And it, it's really cool because you can do whatever you want. Like if you can write a script that can check for whatever you're trying to check, Danger can do it for you because it's kind of just like a generic script runner that has convenient ways to write into a pull request. Yeah, okay. So go check that out. We'll put a link in the show notes. It's really fun to set things up. The, I would say the only downfall of it is you kind of should set up a new GitHub user for it because you want your danger bot, which tends to be a bit impersonal in its replies. <laughs> <laughs> you want it to be like, oh, that's okay. It's a bot. Um, <laughs> but if you're on like GitHub's fancy new paper user plan, that yep. can seem a bit of a stretch to pay for. So I just used my own account. And so now I look like a bit of a jerk <laughs> in some of the pull request comments because I'll just be like, you know, the pull request goes up and the second it finishes building, it's just like, ba-bam! <laughs> Five comments of all Ben finding issues with everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how you would get past that with a with a paid kind of system, but yeah. Yeah. So that's why I just used my account because I was like, I don't really want to pay for a bot to use this. We don't have any more user accounts in our plan. Yeah. seemed crazy to upgrade. But anyway, that's a minor issue. Cool. So... I guess we've mentioned Git in the terminal, which has a horrible interface. Oh, yeah, it's the worst. But if you learn it, you tend to get yourself in less trouble in my experience. So now we'll talk about Git GUI clients. All right? Here's my strategy. Use terminal for pretty much everything that doesn't require doing some complex visualization of what's going on in my Git history. So I do almost everything in terminal until things get complex. And sometimes I'll also review a commit in a GUI thing. So it's nice to see your changes and the files in a nice colorful way where you can scroll around rather than just dumping that whole thing in Terminal. Yep. Apart from that, I pretty much use Terminal. What do you use? I use a, uh, I use a GUI client called Tower. Mm -hmm. It's a fairly complex, like it has a fairly, like the ability to do a lot of things. I like it because I can click around and do things as opposed to needing to... You know, you know, remember the command and like type in like yeah. paths and stuff like that. Like, I, I, so I don't have to like a lot of that kind of memory that I that you need when you are uh, you know using terminal commands. Uh, it just kind of I don't I don't need to think about it. Tower has a lot of like obviously Tower has a lot of the visualization features where you can kind of see like diffs and you can see like how the yeah. merges are kind of I love the like the train track merge thing exactly that yeah, you get yeah. in 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 those kind of uh, GUIs. Um, Tower also has so the the um, the Git flow thing that we mentioned before. Yeah. Tower has that built into it as a f as a kind of a feature thing, so it mm -hmm. helps you to manage your Git flow if you're using if you're using that as your as your process. I think I tried it out; it wasn't really like my thing, so yeah. I kind of stopped using it. In saying that, that just reminds me: if you are going to use the Git flow thing, you can actually on GitHub enforce it. So you can say you cannot push. No one can push to master and develop. The only way to get in there is via pull requests. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And so I think that's what Tower does as well. They yeah. just do it in their GUI, they, right? They do it in their GUI. Yeah. One of the other things that the re part of the reason that I use a, a GUI and especially Tower, it handles sub modules really well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, we didn't really touch on submodules. No. Uh, that would be they're weird. a giant pain in the in the butt. Like a like a lot of Git things. <sighs> Once you got your head around them, they work ninety five percent of the time. And Every just like everything Git, the five percent is hell. Yeah, <laughs> Tower like makes that a lot easier. Like you, I can add and remove, and it does all the kind of extra work that you need to do to be able to manage that without having to think about it. 
So I, you know, I've, I've, I enjoy using like I, I, I much prefer using a, a GUI. It makes more sense to me than a than a command. Yeah. Line. So I don't, I don't mind Tower. I don't mind um, Bitbuckets or Atlassian's Source Tree because they don't try and hide. So Git is complex. There's no way around it. It's complex. It's pretty badly designed, I guess. Um, it feels a lot of the features feel kind of band aidy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people ask for things and they're like, "Cool, yeah, we can add that." Rather than thinking about the implications of that down the line. Yep. So the GUI clients I don't like are the ones that hide that complexity from you because you end up messing it up. At some point, it's tried to hide something complex, and it's made an assumption that was wrong, and it has destroyed your. It hasn't, you can always roll back or whatever, but you yeah. know, it's done something that you didn't expect because it was trying to hide things. And the GitHub client is notorious for that. So the GitHub client is my suggestion when people are new to Git. Yes. But the problem with it is it's, it hides all the complexity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand that. But that's, uh, that's part of why I suggest it for people that are only like new to Git. I mean, we tried to sell people on Git before, right? And Git, mm. like now we're saying, you know, Git, Git is horrifying. It's actually kind of a nightmare because it's hard to use when you're in terminal. Yeah. So my suggestion is, why, well, just, just try like try using the github client because it's you know it's really simple it doesn't do a lot of the kind of hard harder stuff uh but you can do like the basics of you know commit and you know branching and merging like yeah. that you can kind of do those really basic kind of uh your or the intermediate stuff without too many troubles like most of those things yeah. are fairly well kind of clear you know they're clear but as soon as somebody kind of moves past that stage i'm like okay now now use something else because the problem with it is is it hides all the complexity. So when something goes wrong, yeah. you have no idea how to fix it. And the GitHub client is just complaining at you saying something's gone wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we used to, at my last job, all the designers used, because we would have designers, you know, update their assets. They didn't put the PSDs in, but they would export and put them in the actual project. And then they could see how they were in the actual app because, you know, the build server goes up and builds it with their new assets, right? Yeah. And it seemed pretty easy. They would just change files, add commit in the GitHub client. But they were constantly, and it wasn't their fault, something would go wrong and it was constantly like, oh, I broke it again. Can you come and have a look? And it's the only way to do it is just in terminal and see what the hell the client did. So it's not good. En- the GitHub client is not good enough for developers. Well, That's what I'm putting so, out there. So it, yeah, when, when I say that I suggest it for people that are new, probably not like... I'm not talking about like, okay, you're joining like a large kind of well, like kind of set up team. They're already yeah. using Git. They're all, like, they're doing a bunch of like really complex things. But in the case of like, for instance, the team that I joined where they yeah. didn't have Git and I had to it's introduce them to Git. It might be overwhelming. My thing was to, my suggestion was use the GitHub client. Um, you, you can do kind of basic, you know, bits and pieces. And then, you know, like that was just like a taster, like, Here's how easy it is to use Git. It's really easy. See how good it is. It's really good for your your you know your development process. You can do all these kind of cool things and you know see how now we can kind of see where all these changes came from and we know where the kind of the master version of something yep. is because they're like it's the master. Like it's it makes sense. The GitHub client is really good for that. Like kind of you know here's how to use Git and here's like sell you mm. on using Git. But as soon as you start to go into a direction where you're going to have a lot of kind of problematic things that can be problematic yeah you have to like yeah i i I think you have to move on and that's why i like terminal yeah because the only way to do it is to learn how everything actually works and i admit that is a big ask but i also think it's pretty much a requirement of our industry these days is to understand how git works yeah so i mean you know i i use a gui that's my that's my preference but i think you also you're using one of the guis that doesn't hide the complexity right, which right. i also think is totally fine but on the other hand i also know how to use um i i also know how to use the 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 terminal for most things yeah i don't know everything but i definitely know how to use most things in it so that i can fix things if they go wrong and mm-hmm. i can't do it within like within my my gui so um, i use what's called git up yep and I don't know why. I just like it. It's like kind of simple. It's almost just a visual representation of the terminal. So all your commands are pretty much exactly the same. But yeah. instead of trying to hide anything, it just they're behind a right click or whatever. Yeah. Is GitHub a free? Is that a free one? Yeah. I th- yeah. I think. I think so. it's donationware by memory. Yeah. So Tower is Tower is paid. You have to you have to buy it. 
the tower is also good. Yeah, tower is pretty good. Yeah, I like tower as well. It I has it like um it it, ac- it actually kind of hooks into Git GitHub and yeah via their API Bitbucket and stuff via right? their API and is able to like do kind of fancy stuff with that those. is cool. Yeah, I don't have that. Yeah, I do still use the websites for. Like I mean, I still use the websites for stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Hopefully that made some sense to some people. And hopefully we didn't mess up too much. Yeah. Let, us, let us know. Especially if you don't use Git, you use one of the other ones. I'd love to hear why. So I've heard from the Facebook people why they didn't do it. But maybe if you're in a small team, you chose Mercurial. That would be really interesting to know why you did that. If you'd like to let us know, you can send us an email. Um, or if you would like to know more about the things that we've talked about on the show, if you want to look up some of these kind of clients or you want to watch the video from Facebook or whatever, then you can jump on our website. That's where the show notes are. That's where the email form is. It's mobilecouch.co. If you would like to get in touch with us and moan about the fact that the show is ending because, mm-hmm. you know, you really want to just kind of chew us out for our... Uh, life choices. You know, life choices <laughs> and our, uh, you know, our horrifying kind of, I don't know... If you'd like to, if you'd like to talk to us about anything, uh, you can t- get in touch with us on Twitter. We're both on Twitter. Ben is Ben Trangrove. That's B E N T R E N G R O V E, and I am Jelly Bean Soup. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our patrons who have, over the course of uh, the last, I don't know, year or two, have been amazing and 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 very helpful in keeping this show going yeah you know they've been amazing and uh we're we're so grateful to them thank you to you for listening for as long as you have if it's like this is your first episode and you're really annoyed with the fact that the show is ending now uh or if this is like you know you've been with us since the beginning um that's that's amazing like thank you for listening and we look forward to talking to you again two more weeks time for the third to last episode and until then goodbye bye